0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 22nd, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. What's left for Democrats who want to pass something in the realm of health care reform sooner rather than later? Should the House pass the Senate bill? Should they start over? What currency do free market ideas have at this point? Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. Scott Brown won a really stunning
1: upset in the Massachusetts Senate race to fill Ted Kennedy's term, that really made things difficult for President Obama to get his health plan through, because Scott Brown is now the 41st Republican in the Senate, and he has vowed to be the 41st vote uh, to block the president's health plan, the legislation as it exists right now, so the president no longer has a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate supporting his plan. So that leaves Democrats with a number of options to try to get their health care plan through Congress. The first option, uh, the president has already ruled out. That was to just try to ram something through Congress before Scott Brown can be sworn in so that uh, uh, Senator Kirk from Massachusetts would, would cast uh, the vote for that seat. Uh, as I said, the president has ruled that option out. Uh, there are other options, uh, such as the having the House pass the Senate bill as is, which would send that bill right to the president's desk. But the Sen- the House Democrats have thrown cold water on that idea. They don't like that idea because there are a lot of provisions uh, that, that are offensive to them. There's a Medicare commission that would reduce the amount of money uh, flowing. This is really a rationing board that would reduce the amount of money flowing to doctors and hospitals in a lot of House members' districts. They don't like that option. They don't like the tax on uh, union health plans. The unions have said that they would oppose that uh, the Senate bill for that reason. So the House is not going to pass They're not going to just pass the Senate bill and send it at the president's desk. Another option that has been advanced is have the House pass the Senate bill and at the same time pass a reconciliation bill that fixes the problems that the House has with the Senate bill. That also is not going to fly because there are a lot of problems with the Senate bill that cannot be fixed in reconciliation. For example, the Senate bill would allow taxpayer funding of abortions, uh, and I don't think that can be fixed in the reconciliation process. Uh, that is a policy change and not just a budgetary change. So I don't think that could be indre- addressed in reconciliation. So uh, there, that really leaves two options. One of them is to uh, start over with the reconciliation process and see what uh, Congress can get done there. Uh, as I suggested, there's it's, the reconciliation process imposes limits on what the Democrats can do in terms of reforming health care because everything has to be... Uh, you're not supposed to do policy changes through reconciliation. You're only supposed to do things that have a budgetary impact. So that really ties their hands. And anything that, even though in the Senate they would only need 51 votes, anything that they do accomplish through reconciliation will only last for five years and then it will expire. But the, so the one uh, option they seem to have left is the one option that the president and others on, on the Hill are talking about, which is starting over with the most popular elements of the president's health plan and passing them. Uh, on their own, as a a, a standalone measure. There are difficulties involved there. Uh, For example, the number one most popular element of the president's plan, I think, is his uh, proposal to prohibit insurance companies from discriminating against people who have pre-existing conditions. What that means is insurance companies would have to charge sick people no more than they charge healthy people. The problem with trying to advance that proposal on its own is that it increases the premiums for healthy people in order to reduce the premiums for sick people. And the healthy people catch wind of this, their premiums go up and they realize that, wait a second, I can drop coverage now and then buy coverage when I need it, and the insurance companies can't discriminate against me because of my pre-existing condition? Well, then I'm dropping out of the market. The entire market unravels if, if all the government does is says that insurance companies have to cover people with pre-existing conditions because of what's called adverse selection. Sick people buy coverage, healthy people don't, the premiums go up, more healthy people drop out uh, until the premiums go sky high and the market collapses. So if you do this, uh, if you require insurers to cover pre-existing conditions, you also need the individual mandate. Now, that presents a problem because you right now in the, uh, in the Senate have 39 Republicans who have said that they will vote, who have declared an individual, an individual mandate to be constitutional. So it's hard for the president to reach across the aisle and try to get, say, Olympia Snow to vote for a bill with an individual mandate. If Olympia Snow votes for an individual mandate after having already declared her, in her judgment that an individual mandate is unconstitutional, she could reasonably be accused of violating her oath of office, violating the oath she took to the Constitution when she joined the Senate. But there are additional problems. If you enact the ban on pre-existing conditions, you have to include the individual mandate. If you have the individual mandate, well, then a lot of people are going to have difficulty purchasing the coverage that the government is requiring them to buy. You have to have subsidies that go along with the individual mandate. And that is what people on uh, on the right and the left and uh, libertarians have—the the subsidies that, that exist in the current legislation, that's what we've referred to as a, the insurance company bailout. You know, it's 500 or $700 billion over the next 10 years that we're talking about. It's a very expensive element of the bill. And you're going to have to uh, pay for that some way, and all of the ways that they've come up to pay for that cost— uh, or the cost of those subsidies have proven unpopular with Democrats. They're going to have to start looking at taxing union health plans again. They're going to have to start looking at increasing the Medicare payroll tax, or the uh, imposing a new income surtax on uh, an ever expanding pool of what they call wealthy Americans. A lot of Democrats have difficulty with with those proposals because they tax small business owners. So there's really no simple way to just do the most popular elements of this bill. You pretty soon find yourself in a situation where you have almost the entire Obama health plan all over again. Uh, So uh, I think the the Brown... Uh, Scott Brown's victory in Massachusetts has put the Democrats in a real box and made it much harder for them to get anything done this year on health care.
0: Are there any reforms that would foster a free market in health care that are popular enough to garner enough votes? In the I House think and most
1: Senate? I, I think most Americans uh, in, endorse the Id, or like the idea of being able to purchase health insurance from across state lines. If you did that, one study suggests you could cover a third of the uninsured and it wouldn't cost the taxpayers anything in terms of uh, higher taxes or new government. Subsidies, there'd be none of that. There is also, uh, if you'll recall, President Obama campaigned against John McCain's proposal to uh, give every Mar- American a health insurance tax credit uh, because Senator McCain, uh, as part of his plan, he would eliminate the current he would he would eliminate the current tax break for employer-sponsored insurance and replace it with the tax credit. Candidate Obama said. He didn't want to do that because he didn't want to tax health benefits. Well, he's thrown that promise out the out the window with his uh, proposal for a tax on union health plans. So it's probably too much to hope that he would endorse something like a tax credit approach. Which, uh, but uh, but that 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 is an option, and certainly he has staffers like uh, Jason, economist Jason Furman and others who have endorsed the idea of a more equitable way of of uh, a more equitable tax treatment uh, for employer-sponsored insurance versus insurance you buy on your own. Uh, There's at least an opportunity now to advance those ideas, uh, and uh,
0: ironically, uh, President Obama has helped create that opportunity. What about simply giving those who uh, purchased their insurance in the individual market or would purchase their insurance in the individual market the same tax break that employers get? There's a, a, a difficulty... In doing that, because the tax break for
1: employers is a an exemption for uh, the premiums uh, uh, that uh, employer-sponsored insurance premiums are exempt from both income and payroll taxes, and it is difficult to provide individuals the same tax break that employers get uh, because largely because of the payroll tax. Uh, Exemption part, but it can be done. Another problem, uh, though, that that creates is if all you're doing is creating a tax break for these folks, how do you pay for that? It's going to reduce federal revenues, blow a bigger hole in the budget. That's why Senator McCain wanted to replace the current tax break for employer-sponsored insurance with a tax break, uh, a tax credit that's available to everybody, uh, because the elimination of the first tax break helps pay for the second. One of the least objectionable parts of the Obama health plan is that it would have re- reduced spending on Medicare and Medicaid. Now, nobody nobody really believes that those cuts would have taken place, but we do need to rein in spending for Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, I think there are better ways of doing it than what the president proposed. I think that now there's an opportunity to talk about restraining Medicaid spending by giving states a block grant so that they get a fixed amount of money instead of an— uh, open-ended entitlement from the federal government, and they have incentives then to target that money on, uh, to people who are truly needy. Uh, with Medicare, uh, we also need to restrain Medicare spending. Uh, I don't agree with the way the president proposed to use price controls and ratchet down those price controls uh, to reduce Medicare spending. But likewise, we could give Medicare enrollees a, a fixed voucher that where we give Sick people a, a larger voucher or a larger voucher if you're low income, and let them purchase health insurance, the health insurance plan that meets their needs. Give them the flexibility to buy coverage that covers the things that they want uh, so that their access to care is not threatened. I think that the uh, the Democrats needs need right now to take a step back and start from scratch really, oh, well almost start, start over uh, creates an
0: opportunity to talk about some more free market oriented ideas. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute and co-author of the book Healthy Competition. You can order your copy from catostore.org.